When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Roleplay Retcon does not own any part of the movies that we retcon, nor are we associated with the artists who make them. Also, we're going to say a lot of weird and possibly dirty things, and maybe your kids don't need to hear that. The soundtrack for this series features Keijin Church. Find them at keijinchurch.bandcamp.com or wherever you get music online. Welcome back to Tales from the Cryptid, the podcast where your boy Gaston Leroux, aka your favorite cryptid, talks about creepy shit from the past. So here we are in another episode of The Phantom of the Opera. Previously on Tales from the Cryptid, we began our journey to prove that the opera ghost at the Opera Garnier was real. 30 years ago in 1992, all of that creepy shit went down, and I'm here to tell you about it. So in our last episode, we met the stars of our show through our found footage from the Opera House. And the stars from our show were Christine Daye, our young ingenue who has mysteriously found her name underneath La Carlotta, the diva of the opera house, for understudy. Now, La Carlotta was sick on the day of this grand performance, the night of the manager's retirement, and lo and behold, no one else was there to take her place other than Christine Daye. Also in attendance, we have footage of the Vicomte de Chagny, Raoul, and his older brother, the Comte de Chagny, Philippe, in attendance at the opera house, eating some, some tasty bread. And we also have learned about some mysterious events taking place. Perhaps someone was hanged off stage. Perhaps there is someone, a silhouette of sorts, in box five. And perhaps in box six, there is a mysterious man. In the previous episode, we saw that the people were getting ready for the operatic version of Black Swan. However, at the very last moment, disaster struck. getting ready for your big performance you are getting all of your feathers attached and glued to your body meg is helping you out with that and at that very moment someone runs in from outside into the the dressing room and it is the house manager laureline oh god and laureline is here to inform them of the change from black swan to breakfast at tiffany's everyone listen up all house on me we are changing from black swan to breakfast at tiffany I am sure this will be no problem for you. 
Uh, carry on. Goodbye. Wait. Yes. Uh, oui? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> we, listen, I do not have time to explain this. I'm sorry. You need an explanation as to why this terrible thing is happening. It is happening. You will deal with it. Okay. And you will deal with it as professionals. Of course. Yes, ma'am. Laureline. Yes. Yes, ma'am. This close? Christine, this is the most terrible thing that has ever happened. We're changing this close to curtain call? It's in like five minutes. Oh, my God. Whoever's idea this was, I don't know. I don't agree with it, but... Wow, Christine, must suck for you, huh? Because Black Swan didn't really have any difficult singing parts, but now breakfast at Tiffany's? And you're Tiffany? Yeah, Laureline comes back in, and she's like, she's like walks up right into Christine's face, and she's like doing her fingers at her eyes, fingers at Christine's eyes, fingers at her eyes, fingers at Christine's eyes. She says, hey, hey. Yes, yes. Scrub, scrub. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> and then she like swoops out of the room again. I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, Christine. Oh, honey. Uh, you know, it's okay. Well, let's just get you changed really quickly. Just a second. Let me let me ask if the other girls want to help too. Uh, hey girls, will you help change Christine from the swan to Tiffany? Yeah, I don't know if I have time to. Yeah, no, yeah, change I still got Christine. Gotta... I've got to change my own costume if you know what I'm saying. I got to powder my butt. <laughs> I mean, my whole stomach's just full of tequila right now. It's fine. Okay, Christine, it's fine. I'll help you. Let's just, let's get it off. Yeah, the, the feathers should come off easily, right? Just... Yeah, well, usually we use uh, the spirit gum remover, which takes a little bit to soften it up, but we're just going to rip it off right now, okay? Are we plucking feathers? Because I love plucking feathers. I do I do want to help with ripping so things now off. Now you want to help. Great. Yeah. I just start plucking feathers left and right. <laughs> <laughs> Pluck, 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 pluck. And they are doing it. They're plucking the feathers off of you. <laughs> yep. And a little bit of body hair. <laughs> well, you want to shave later, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I know how you usually shave your upper back, and here you go. You're welcome. <laughs> you don't know what opera stars do. <sighs> well, thanks for your help. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Okay, so you have been successfully plucked. <laughs> Defeathered. Laureline comes back in with the Tiffany dress. Yep. Like, like it's from Tiffany's? No, no. She's looking at the tag. She's like, no, it is not. <laughs> anyway, Tiffany dress, and she looks at you and she says, mm, "You are such a tiny little thing. I suppose this will just have to hang off of you like a steamed rib." Like a what? <laughs> I am sorry. French is not my first language, as you can hear. <laughs> okay. Uh, Meg helps put it on you, and she says, mm, uh, uh, I mean, you're so pretty, Christine. You are so pretty. Thank you, Meg. It means a lot that you believe in me. <laughs> I do believe that you're pretty, and I believe that you're a good dancer. Unfortunately, this one doesn't really have any big dance numbers for Tiffany, so you can't really show that off, but you can show off how pretty you are, even if the costume doesn't fit right. I know. It's it's just, it's a lot. Why didn't they change at the last minute? Larling comes in and she's like, I forgot these. I almost forgot these. <laughs> we got you this uh, Tiffany mask just to make sure, you know, this whole upstairs situation doesn't mess up anything. Here you go. All right. All right. And she, and she leaves again. And then my character rushes in like, oh, let me see that mask. I want to try it on. And then she trips and breaks the mask into a million pieces. <laughs> Alex, we promised. We God. promised we wouldn't do this. And we've done it. <laughs> My character has to be able to see her face. 
Yeah, it's true. If you cover it with a mask, I can't see your face. It's, you know, one thing that could happen is Jitsi could just cut all of that. and <laughs> No, it's in now. And and the mask breaks into a million pieces and Meg just kind of looks oh, down no. at it and looks back up at Christine and says, it's okay because you're so pretty. And honestly, the makeup that we had on you before, it, it really works for this character. I don't think we need to change it. The black swan makeup? <laughs> well... Maybe we should get rid of the beak. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, all right. We could put the mask back together with spirit glue, maybe? No, 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 no. no. Let's just do this. Okay. And she starts vigorously rubbing your face with a makeup wipe because it's 1992 and that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's fine, sweetie. Don't worry about it. Uh, We'll get it off. Can someone please do her hair? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I I got a hair. I got a hair. Don't worry about it. What are we doing? Are we going up? Are we going up? Are we going down? Are we covering the shoulders? Up. It's just a top bun. A top bun. All right. I yeah. can I can bun like you wouldn't believe. They call me Debbie Buns. <laughs> what do they? Debbie Buns. That's me. I'm Debbie Buns. Yeah. Thank you, Debbie Buns. I thought it was because of your butt, though. Uh, I, I'm not telling. If you're not telling, sister. Let okay. Me tell. <laughs> And they do. They make you just gorgeous. I imagine it's like a makeup, a makeover montage. Like just. Yes. It is the 90s. Yeah, there you there go. There's a makeover montage. There's a lot of powder flying around. There's a, getting poked in the eye with a mascara wand. <laughs> There's lots of bobby pins going in the hair. Yeah, yeah. Lots of tequila. Lots of tequila. Tequila. Mostly from Debbie Buns. <laughs> and then you're beautiful. And it all worked out in the end, suddenly, somehow, we don't know how. Magic. <laughs> Hollywood magic. The magic of the theater. Ho- Hollywood? Hollywood magic. <laughs> Famously located in Paris. <laughs> yes. Hollywood. In the, in the Paris Opera House. Opera House magic. <laughs> but this is a movie. <sighs> oh, right. Oh, I see what you mean. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I thought you were doing it. I don't know what layer we're in in the simulation, Jensi. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I'm... So many layers. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's a movie about a podcast about an opera house ghost, okay? The podcast is, the Gaston LaRoe podcast is a plot device. A frame device. A framing device being used by the movie yes, that, that our funny. podcast is making. Wait, did we just slip into an interview from the vampire? It is. Oh, a yeah, bit. we kind of did. It we kind of did. That's great. Nah, see, that works. Oh, yeah. This is love that. an interview with a vampire. is a wonderful movie that we all love. And Jensi's Kristen Slater. Yes! <laughs> Wait, I'm not actually excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You get turned you get turned into a vampire at the end. And you don't you don't have to be a I don't know if that's true. Anymore. I think Tom Cruise just eats him. Yeah, I think he just died. <laughs> I thought he becomes a character in the other novels. I don't recall. I didn't read the books. I'm not a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like interview with a vampire. One hundred percent. No deviations. The ghost is the vampire. <laughs> I'm even doing a loosely French accent based off of Antonio Banderas. Oh my god. <laughs> yep, that tracks. <laughs> that is without a doubt. This is exactly interview with the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, I think we just did interview with a vampire. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. So um, the the montage happens. You're made up and you're beautiful, Christine. And now you have one minute to get on that stage. Everyone in the audience is in positions. It's all made up. Luraline comes in one last time to tell you to get up on stage. Start booking it for the- get up on stage. 
Get out of there! You don't think they'll pull open the curtain without me there, do you? Oh, they will if you don't get up on there. Just run. <laughs> Actors. I was hoping to go sit in, sit in the audience with my spouse. You have a spouse? Mm, I'm going to let the audience decide who they want it to be. <laughs> His name's Valerian. Well, perhaps, per- perhaps her name is Bubble. <laughs> oh, twist. <laughs> Uh, Christine, you, you get up on stage and and you're waiting. The um the stage lights are on and the curtain is is down and it's just you on stage right now. No one else is there. The opening is just Tiffany on stage by herself. How do you feel? It feels like it happened so quickly that Christine hasn't had enough time to properly process any of it. But standing up like alone on the stage with no one else around, suddenly it feels very like real and very intimidating to be up here. Yeah. The curtains raise and you start the show. And uh, how does it go? I think we got to roll for it. Oh, what do you roll for a whole opera? Charm. Charm. That's true. Yeah, let's roll for charm. I'm going to set it pretty low. Because no one's expecting you to succeed. (laughs) Well, I was going to say because she's so talented that she doesn't actually have to roll high, but... (laughs) There's that. For this one, it maybe wouldn't be a universal difficulty, but I'm going to set this difficulty specifically for Christine. And I'm going to set it at three. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, it's a D10, so I rolled a six. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so you got a plus three to success, which means you succeed, but not impressively, um, which is fine. Sometimes that's life. <laughs> Sometimes that's life. I do have, I forgot off the top of my head what the skilled charm thing is. <laughs> uh, basically, you succeed at trivial things automatically. Oh, okay. So pro- that doesn't really help. Skilled at, choose a skill. GM's discretion, you are assumed to succeed when making even moderately difficult checks, nine or less, involving this skill. If the GM determines that you need to roll uh, for a more difficult check, you can add up to plus three to your roll. With your skill that charm, uh, even though that normally means that you just succeed in a in a low roll, I wanted you to roll anyway, so you get a plus three, and since you already had a plus three, that's a plus six, so you succeed quite impressively. So, yes. Not only do you succeed quite well, but, whoa, no one expected you to succeed at all. (laughs) (laughs) Especially since they changed the opera five minutes before curtain. Impressive. All of the cards were stacked against you. Everyone thought you were a bad singer. No one has ever heard of you outside of the opera house. And even the people in the opera house have barely heard of you. All they know is that you're one of the good dancers. They had you go on stage the day of the performance. And not only that, they changed the opera five minutes before to one that probably you've barely rehearsed. If I mean, you've rehearsed it, but probably barely. Yeah. Not as much as um, Swan Lake or Black Swan or whatever. Black whatever Swan Lake. <laughs> Black Swan Lake. During the, the opera itself, there is a beautiful solo for Tiffany where she sings um, this beautiful song. And what, what song is it that Tiffany sings? Moon river wider than a mile I'm crossing you in style 
someday. Oh, dream maker, you heart breaker, wherever you're going, I'm going your way to drifters off to see the world there's such a lot of world to see we're after the same rainbows You sing Moon River, and it is astoundingly beautiful. You could not hear even the sound of breathing in the whole audience. It's as if everyone has held their breath. And at the end of the performance, everyone just erupts into applause and cheers and standing ovation right in the middle of this performance, which is quite difficult with this crowd. Yeah. Because they're all sitting. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because they're all French. <laughs> and French people stand for nothing. <laughs> you can quote me on that one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and among those in attendance are Raoul and Philippe. Raoul, how do you feel? I feel like my heart is on fire. It is boiling over with the passion of a thousand doves. Yeah, and Philippe is also quite excited about this. Uh, And he looks over at you, Raoul, and he says, Oh, she's pretty good, yeah? Oui, she is very good. Mm. I feel you could say that the world has come between us, that our lives have come between us. But I know that you just don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really <laughs> profound, Raul. Did you get that from somewhere? I get it from Wikipedia. Nice. That's pro- <laughs> Wikipedia didn't exist in 92. Did that song exist in 92? No. I think I saw it in a movie. Dang it. <laughs> but the movie is being made in the 2000s? 22? Maybe? Yeah, it's it's 2022. Ah, poop. The song came out in 95. Oh. Well, it's just, you know, the audience is never going to know, and that's just going to be one of those things where <laughs> someone on IMDb later is going to be like, this movie has a historical incongruity <laughs> I mean, because this song incongruity. Listen, incongruity. This song didn't come out until 1995, <laughs> and the movie is supposed to be set in 92. Listen, Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's came out in like the 50s or something. 60s. And I I think I remember the film. And as I recall, I think we both kind of liked it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Look, if Stranger Things get away with it, we can get away with it. <laughs> Historical incongruities. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, we're just going to leave that in the in the final cut of the film. Wait. Yeah, that's very profound, brother. Brother. Yes. Um yes, that's uh yeah, the movie. I also really like the movie too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my accent. I'm trying Sweet. so hard. <laughs> I don't know if you had an accent last time. I think I did for Philippe, didn't I? Someone is going to be listening to these episodes back to back, and they're going to be like, what has happened between these two episodes? <laughs> well, they've just fallen all apart. The continuity editor is going to be fired for sure. <laughs> yeah, this movie is just a mess. It's going to come out and people are going to be like, what? <laughs> I remember you had like kind of a deep voice for him, but I don't remember anything I else. thought that I had a French accent. A French accent. A French. 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 What? And while while Philippe and Raoul are talking about this beautiful performance and how it reminds them of a movie that they kind of liked, mm. what is going on in box six? I I enjoyed it. I I, I kind of but I, I just go hmm. and I look over at box five. I'm trying once again to f- make out a shape, but I don't think I can see anything. I just, I just muttered to myself, um, I bet that got your attention. Oh. Snake? <laughs> Snake! It's actually the Roland voice I never got to use. It sounded like Roland. I was about to say that sounded like Roland. Roland and Snake are extremely similar characters. Oh, really? Yeah, almost the same guy. They both love cardboard boxes. At the end of the performance, Christine, you come up on stage... I just sheepishly kind of go back up on stage and gingerly take a bow. Oh, the the crowd is going wild. Everyone is in is standing up. Bravo! Yes. Bravissimo! They're doing that. Woo! Wow, he was so good! Yep, they're all doing that. Wowie zowie! They're throwing roses on the stage for you, Christine. Roses and jewelry and... One, there's just like one potato, too, that like... <laughs> <laughs> Who is throwing jewelry to an uh, an actress they've never seen before? <laughs> they loved her so much. Who brings who brings jewelry to throw at an opera? <laughs> they think they're at like an incredibly upscale like like gentleman's club. <laughs> like like six people ran out to Tiffany's during the opera to get jewelry to throw yep. on stage. During yep. intermission. That was time. <laughs> it's like fuck, I don't need this anymore. She deserves it. <laughs> There's a Tiffany's down the block. Yeah, there is a there is a Tiffany's just next door down the block. We should get breakfast there. You know, some people grabbed some some necklaces. It's right next to the bakery. Right next to the bakery. And the bakery is called Bre- Breakfast, like next to Tiffany's or something. Oh my it's, god! It's like really really sweaty though. Everyone's like, everyone's like, I get it, I get it. You want to make it work, but it's it's so it doesn't work though. Yep. Yeah, and some people uh, there. There is some. There is some cross croissants being thrown onto the stage. Croissants. I don't know, man. And one baguette flies at you like a javelin. <laughs> I dodge. It hits an unused swan in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Who lets the swan on the stage? It wasn't a real swan, right? No, it wasn't a real swan. Okay, but more. What does a fake swan be doing on Breakfast at Tiffany's? Mm. Set dressing? <laughs> Story. <laughs> it, it was a phenomenal performance. The curtains close. Christine, what do you do? Just take a second and, like, breathe. 
just kind of standing there in the middle of in the middle of the stage and then go back to the dressing room to take off all this <laughs> layers of costume. Christine, um, while you are going off stage, there is a whole mess of people who have just rushed onto the stage. Literally everyone in the whole world has tried to rush onto the stage right now. And how are you feeling? Uh, kind of overwhelmed, but happy. I mean, it didn't... They kept saying I was the worst singer, but I, I can't be that bad, right? I got, like, people liked it. Yeah. So it all turned out okay. Yeah, for sure. But, like, more and more people keep coming on, and it's getting really, really crowded, and people start shouting about how everyone needs to, to leave and to, like, go back to their places, and, and, oh, there's so much noise and so much commotion, and people just start, like, like moving as, as one unit. There's no room to breathe or move or anything. Just kind of start feebly pushing at people like can I, I just can you just let me through i'm just mm. trying to get back okay so you start feebly pushing at people i'm gonna call that a fight roll <laughs> i did say feeble but, yep <laughs> i can't persuade you that it would be flight if i'm fleeing <laughs> well you did say pushing i did you're right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna call it a fight and you know what there are <laughs> There are so many people here that it would <laughs> success here would be quite impressive. Um, so I'm gonna call this. Uh, I'm gonna say this is a ten. Yeah, it's whoa, whoa, gonna whoa. be rough with my D four. <laughs> it's a two. Listen, Remick, you made this box of worms. Now you gotta lay in it. I'm lying in a box of worms. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Yeah, a bit. So you failed a lot. <laughs> Failure is, is, is bad, bad, but not a disaster. <laughs> there will be some short-term consequences. So, yeah, you you start pushing, and people start pushing back, and you're you're really weak. You you've had a really long performance, and it's kind of hard to breathe, right? And so while you're you're pushing and trying to fight your way through this crowd, someone just like knocks you off balance, and you go down, and you hit your head pretty bad. Oh no! And it knocks you out. So I'm going to say that you are temporarily unconscious. We move back up to box number one with Philippe and Raoul. And uh, Philippe says, Whoa, that was incredible. That was amazing. I'm so glad that we are funding this opera now. Mm, what did yes. you think of it, brother? Oh, it was... Uh, I could barely... I could barely focus on the play to tell you the truth. I was... I was transfixed. Oh, transfixed, transfixed you say? On, on the woman playing Tiffany. She, uh, oh. she seems so familiar to me. You like her, no? We. Oui. Well, my baby brother, you and I have backstage passes. <laughs> do we re Do we truly? Well, we are paying a lot of money to this place. We can really go wherever we want. Oui, We're oui, cows, oui, who oui. cares? Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go backstage. We must meet the stars. Oh, perfect, perfect. And I actually had my eye on one of the chorus girls as well. Don't tell my wife. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, Philippe, that's, that's a pretty rough man. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Ah, you're such a kidder. Let's go backstage. <laughs> and so uh, you make your way backstage. And at that moment, you see that there is a, a whole crowd of people who have just amassed on the stage itself. And there seems to be a lot of chaos and commotion. Philippe, when we uh, take over the finances for this uh, opera, we must uh, put up a guardrail here. A guardrail? So guard that the rail? crowd does not accost the stage. Hmm. You know, it's a safety precaution. 
that seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, it, it, this seems like a mess. Yes. Maybe we should come back later? No, we must. We must go now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. We must go now. We must go now. And at that moment, uh, you hear someone yell, oh, Christine, she's been hurt. <gasps> Christine. And a flood of memories shoots through my brain. Oh my gosh. Like what? Like a memory of us being children. Oh my gosh. In the northern parts of France. Oh my even gosh. Even further north than Paris. Oh my gosh. So these these memories <laughs> flood back to you. Your brother looks at you and says, Raoul, are you okay? It's like I've been hit by the ghost of Christmas past. Okay, that's weird, but okay. Uh, maybe we should... Uh, I don't know. No, I must, I must go to her. I leave, Philippe. I run. Oh, you run. I run. And you run over, and people are starting to clear out now. They're they're trying to make a circle around uh, this woman who has collapsed in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you make your way through. Uh, the crowd is softening up a bit, so you don't have to, like, fight your way through or anything. And then there, in the middle of the circle, <gasps> is Christine Daye, who you remember from the north of France, even farther north her. than Paris, when you were children. We were children in the north of France. Yes. Further north than Paris. Yes. And I go to her, and I kneel. She's unconscious. Doctor! We need a doctor! Someone has gone for the doctor. I think he's going to her dressing room. Quick. I, I, I pick up Christine, and I take her to her dressing room. Do a brawn roll. Okay. Where's my brawn? My brawn is good. My brawn is sweet. My brawn is a seven. Oh, well, I, I didn't set that. Oh, okay. But it's okay. I was going to set it at a four. Okay. My bond is a D12, and I rolled a 7. All right, cool. So you succeed. Yeah, you do. You pick her up, and you run with her to her dressing room. And in the dressing room, there are a bunch of chorus girls and a doctor and a nurse, and a bed has been laid out for her. I gently place her upon the bed. Um, so while this is going on, the the doctor, this is 1992, so the doctor doesn't, like, open some smelling salts or something, because that's not a thing people did in the 90s. I mean, it's it's still a thing. Yeah, probably. Is it still a thing? Yeah. And in France? I mean, come on. Uh, it's a little new agey. How but... advanced could they be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Y'all, I, I, I have no problem with France in real life. I promise. <laughs> I love French bread. <laughs> the doctor props her feet up to get some blood flow to her brain and he puts a compress on her forehead and opens up some smelling salts and Christine comes too. <sighs> what what happened? And the doctor is Carlos Van Burke. Carlos Ooh. Van Burke, Dr. Van Burke. He says, "Ah, oh, you just had a little bump on your head. Do not worry about it. You we just need to make sure that you're not concussed. Can we please get everybody out of here?" And the nurse starts trying to shoo people away, including you, Raoul. Please, please, let, let allow me to stay. Why? Who are you? And I, I push past the nurse, and I, I go to a knee in front of Christine. Mademoiselle, I am the little boy who went into the river to save your pet duck from drowning when we were small children in the north of France. Clucky? My pet duck, okay. Clucky? <laughs> I didn't know this was happening. I... Raoul, is that you? Oui, Christine, it is Raoul. How did you come to be here? I haven't seen you in years. I took an electric horse we call a car. 
It sounds fantastical. Oh, we, we, we just got some in France. <laughs> Were you just watching the show? I was. Darling, your, your performance was extraordinary. It was beyond divine. It brought tears to my eyes. I, well, thank you. I'm, that means so much. No, thank you. And as you two are sharing this moment, Christine, you notice that the lights dim ever so slightly and maybe flicker a couple of times. Is am I, is it is there something wrong with the lights or am I, I maybe I, I can't tell if I am concussed and uh the doctor comes over to you and he looks at you and and does the tests for concussity. He hits you on the <laughs> knee with a little hammer. And he determines that now you're. I don't think you're. Con- <clears throat> I don't think you're concussed, Mademoiselle. I th- I think you will be just fine. Uh, I don't see any signs of concussion. But uh, you know, if you start feeling, you know, a little sick or lightheaded or dizzy or something, you you let us know. But I don't see any any marks or any signs of damage. So I think you should be fine. Of course, thank you. I did anyone else see the lights flicker just then? Mm, I don't think so. Did you? I see did them? not see any lights flicker, but uh, I can go out and buy you some lights. <laughs> I'll buy you sixty lamps, and you'll never see the light dim on your person, lest you wish it. Uh, that's very sweet. I, I don't know that we actually need 60 lights. And at that moment, the lights definitely dim quite a lot. And Raul, <laughs> I think you notice it this okay, time, that, too. That time, I definitely saw the lights dim. I, I saw it. I will send my brother out for the lamps. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I, I appreciate it. So the doctor is just like, hmm. Uh, uh, do you need anything else, Christine? Can we go? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I should be fine. Thank you. All right. And then um, he starts to leave and he says, excuse me, young man, I, I think you should leave too. This is the ladies' dressing room after all. Well, you are correct. I should not stay in a place of such vulnerability uh, to you, mademoiselles. Christine, if you would meet me at any any point, really, just I, I would <laughs> love to see you again. Yes, no, it would be amazing to catch up again. I'd love to meet you. Can I get them digits? <laughs> well, yes. You don't have you don't have cell phones, and she lives at the opera I, house. I, it's nineteen ninety two. We do have a phone. Pagers. There are phones. Yeah, at the opera house. She lives at the opera house. It's just I the would opera like house the phone. opera house phone number, please. Yes. <laughs> All right, you work that out. <laughs> yep. Write it down on a piece of paper. I will put a heart around it and keep it in my pocket. Yeah, I, I do so. Until we meet again, my dear Christine, adieu. Uh, yes, till next time. The doctor and the nurse leave the room, and they look back at you, Raoul, to see if you're leaving also. They're kind of giving you a an arched eyebrow as they exit. Yes, yes, I am going, I'm going. And Raoul marches off to find Philippe, and he walks out. Raul, as soon as you as soon as you walk out, the door closes behind you and you hear it lock immediately. <laughs> it's very strange. Hey everyone, it's Alex from Roleplay Redcon, welcoming you to the break. 
We are just super happy to be hosting Tales from the Cryptid with Gaston Leroux. It is truly like no show I've ever heard before in my life. The star of that show being, of course, Rimmick, uh, who has brought Christine to life. Uh, she's a game designer and an actual play performer. She's Rim of the Realm on most social media. Uh, she's also joined the cast of Abstract Adventures podcast, a weekly D&D podcast that just wrapped up its first season. And you can find all of her stuff at beacons.ai slash rim of the realm. And you know we're going to put that in our episode description. The music for this particular series is by Kijin Church. If you haven't already, let me ask you to personally please join our Discord or our Patreon. Links to both of these can be found in the episode's description and on social media. Lots of cool people have a chill time just hanging out in our Discord, talking about, you know, what kind of D&D archetype they are, or sharing their art, or talking about butts. It's a lot of cool, cool, fun time. And on our Patreon, you can get access to deleted scenes, bloopers, and special bonus stuff made just especially for our patrons. Speaking of patrons, this episode is dedicated to one of our patrons, Rob Vincent slash Mr. Universe. This episode is edited by Jensi with sound design by Benjamin Gray and is a production of Two Fish in a Jug, which is a part of the Nerdsmith Network. Leave us a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, oh, back to the show. back in time a little bit so when the when the performance concludes and everybody is on their feet going crazy what what's going on in box number six he just watches okay i think that since you are being so attentive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and since you're you're really trying to get something i would say i would say i am absorbing yes okay all of your all of your energy and and concentration is on box number five. Mm-hmm. You do see a shifting shadow, and you maybe you do, maybe you don't hear the click of a door. I'm going to. Can I get to box five from here? You can open the door from box six, and then the door to box five is right next to it. And there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the audience. There is, but yeah, yeah, up yeah. here in the boxes, not so much. Okay. Are there people around, though? Is anyone paying any attention to me? No one is paying any attention to you. I am just going to walk over to the box. I've, like, I've been afraid to do this, I think. I've been afraid to actually walk over to this box. Uh, But I'm actually going to finally do it. So you open the door to box number six, and you look over to box number five, and you see a swooping motion. Swoop. Yes, going down the hallway from box number five and and it's a person wearing like an opera cape and they're swiftly walking down the hallway i'm not gonna go after them okay so you go into box number five Mm -hmm. 
When you enter box number five, how do you feel? Hmm. Uh, there's this word. Gassy. I have to look it up. Is it gassy? It's not gassy. Um, is it philanthropic? God, I can't remember what it is. Um, there's this word that's like that's like the opposite of nostalgia, um, or the inverse. And it's like you know, nostalgia. You look back and you have like happy feelings about things, and you kind of know that the happy feelings are only because you have good memories of it, and it actually isn't really indicative of like the quality of the thing you're actually remembering. Mm-hmm. But there's an opposite to that, and it's like the negative version of nostalgia. It's like the your, your memories that are like anxious and um, like make you feel bad <laughs> and but it's it's just because of your memories that thing it's just like i'm in this place um i think they call that trauma and uh <laughs> it's actually not quite trauma um but i feel that mm. i feel an unease standing mm. here and i just kind of say you found a new project haven't you you don't hear anything i do look around while you're looking around are you what are you doing are you searching for something i don't know because i don't know what i'm looking for yeah a clue something Okay, so you're looking around, you're searching for a clue, anything that will that will give you any kind of information about what's going on, and there's nothing really to roll for this. Maybe brains. Would it be brains? I got a few of those. You got a few Probably of those? a brain or two. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, let's, let's roll for it. I use a d12 for brains. That's good to know. I'm going to say this is a 10. This is... Oof. Any kind of clue would be very well hidden. It would be very difficult to find any kind of clue. Okay. So I roll the D12, right? Yeah. And then it's just what's on the face of that. Although I think I have a plus one to brains being an adult. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, I rolled... Then I rolled an eight, so I didn't do it. Oh, so close. Okay. Oh, so sorry. Time out. Uh, Christine. Mm-hmm. You failed a roll previously, and I forgot to remind you that this means that you get one of those token thingies. Adversity Adversity. token. You get an adversity token for that. Ah, Excellent. Yes. Thank you. Patron, you have lost. You have failed your roll. You receive an adversity token. Don't forget. But yeah, so you are, you're looking around, and... You're trying really hard to find anything, anything that might give you any kind of clue as to the goings-on of this box. And you just, you feel like you're so close. You you have this sense about you that there is definitely something here. And if you could just figure it out, if you could just think of anything or just see anything, that you could you could find it, but you just don't this time. You just don't see anything, and but you feel a sense of there is something there. I should have followed him. Back in the dressing room, Raoul has just exited and the door has shut and locked behind him. Christine, the lights dim quite heavily and you hear a voice. And this is a voice, Christine, that you have grown accustomed to hearing. Um, So you know who this is. And it says, Christine, how dare you? How dare you talk to that peasant out there? Who is he? I'm, I'm sorry. It, he, I knew him as a child. Just an old, old friend. Mm, it seemed like more than an old friend to me, Christine. We were children together. We just grew up. We saw each other sometimes. On holidays. Christine, do you not care about the music? Do you not care about your voice, the song, everything I have done for you? No, of course I care. It's... Everything you've done for me is more than I could ever ask for. Christine, when I put your name on that paper, 
underneath La Carlotta. When I made sure La Carlotta was not here today, I did all of that for you. I did that for you, Christine. Do you not care about me? Of course I care. It's- Do you not care about dedicating all of your time to the music, Christine? Of course, of course. Would you rather be alone for the rest of your life, Christine? Alone and no one cares for you, no one knows who you are? I will leave you, Christine. No, no, of course I don't want that. It, what happened, what did you do to Carlotta? Oh, don't worry about that. She's fine. She's just a little under the weather right now. Christine, one of your greatest fears is being alone. Yes. So when he threatens to leave you and to leave you alone, what do you do? The last thing in the world that Christine wants would be to be abandoned or left alone. And I think even, you know, the threat about Carlotta, the threat about Raul, none of that really matters. Just kind of clinging to this lifeline. Do you want me to leave you, Christine? No. Back where I found you? No. Your father has just died, and he sent me to you, Christine. I am your angel, but I can leave you. If you do not care about me, if you do not care about the music, I can leave you. No. No, of course I care about the music. That's... that's all I care about. Christine, never see him again. Promise me. I promise. And at that moment, you see across from you the mirror to the dressing room kind of opens like a secret doorway and on the other side stands a man and a mask.